unfiltered, uncensored, and unapologetic. This is the Retail War Zone Podcast. All right, so we're going to get started. We're going to go ahead and roll into this. Um, Obviously, tonight, we're talking about uh, the cult of the forbidden fruit, a.k.a. Apple. Um, You know, full disclosure, as I was saying off stream, I'm not an Apple fanboy per se. I do own a Mac Mini. And, you know, from being a musician and recording music, I... um, I'm a big proponent for Logic Pro 10, uh, digital audio workstation. Love it. Tried Pro Tools. Hate it. So I'm a Logic guy all the way. But all my stuff's been bought secondhand. I don't buy anything at full retail uh, you know, from Apple. It's a little too rich for this poor guy. Hey, Maiden. And also, too, I've never owned an iPhone. So I don't know what all the buzz is about that. So, so great. But anyway, we're going to get into, you know, I got a slide here showing um, a few headlines from the year for Apple. Um, Not really the headlines they want people to see, but real world shit. So um, that's the stuff I want to see, though. (laughs) Yeah. And the sources, you know, this comes from nine to five Mac, the verge, the New York Times insider and gadget. You've got uh, October 1st, uh, Apple employee activism is shifting the balance of power, suggests report. Then you got Tim Cook says employees who leak memos do not belong at Apple, according to leaked memo, which is one of the most hilarious things I've ever seen. And it says the CEO says the company is doing everything in its power to track down workers. <laughs> um, Apple cares about privacy, privacy unless you work at Apple. The company has taken a strong stance on safeguarding its customers' data, but some employees don't believe it protects theirs. Then you had the situation in September where Apple fired Ashley Jovic, senior employee who alleged sexism at work. I highly recommend you read her story. That was a whole bunch of bullshit right there. Um, Tim Cook tries to quell unrest at Apple during a company-wide meeting, but only answers two questions from activist employees. That's the way to be. Good job. Um... Tim Cook faces surprising employee unrest at Apple. Hundreds of current and former Apple workers are complaining about their work environment, a rarity for the once tight-lipped company. Uh, September 22nd, Apple giving retail monies a $1,000 bonus, which has been dubbed around the internet as hush money <laughs> ahead of the iPhone 13 launch and holiday season. And so, yeah, there's that. And then, if you follow the Apple II movement, um, you know, there's uh, Medium is running basically like a diary of different things that they've uncovered, different stories. And I'm just going to throw a couple up here real quick. And mind you, these are pretty bad and that should piss you off. So here's the first one. A female manager was punched by a customer because we asked him to wait his turn to buy a speaker. She was knocked out cold. The leadership did not want to call police due to possible bad press. Only after approximately 10 male co-workers surrounded the assailant did the security get called. We had another female manager verbally assaulted. The male customer told her, go get my fucking phone, you... At the top of his lungs. Oh, nice. No action was taken. No beatings. No security. So there's that, and then there's this one, and this was pretty fucking terrible. During my fourth interview, a senior manager said the local stakeholder demographic was affluent and conservative. They asked if I would be able to work with stakeholders because I'm openly gay and I may disagree with their opinions. They said I would need to be less flamboyant to make stakeholders feel comfortable. So, 
Wow. Um, yeah, so it's a lot of press that they don't want to have. And I highly encourage you to go read the, the Apple II Diaries. Um, it's, it's horrendous for a company whose bad press gets buried by article after article about new iPhones and, and new Macs and stuff, all that stuff. So it's crazy. But having said that, tonight, our guest, um, who goes by the name of H., uh, is going to tell us about his time with the fruit stand. And this ought to be fun. You know, he told me that, you know, he cusses a lot. And, and I said, that is perfectly fucking fine. <laughs> That's what we do here, too. So, welcome, H. Say hello. Hi, how is everyone? I was going to say tonight, but it's this morning. So. I know, right? You know, you, you're <laughs> here we are. We're closing out our days, and you're like at breakfast time. <laughs> I just want well, to state... Sorry, I just want to state that I'm definitely an Android guy over Apple, <laughs> just to start. Yep. Um, <laughs> so tell us a little bit about you, you know, how you got started with Apple. Um, well, I actually got poached. Um, my, my background before Apple, I used to work in print production, film production, and advertising. Um, I did that for about 13, 14 years. And I got poached out of the studio by one of their, um, I think it was a hiring manager or one of the recruitment managers. So they kind of just threw a business card at me and said, hey, something big is going to go down here in Australia. Um, and, yeah, I went to, I think, three or four interviews. Um, I did some practical tests. And lo and behold, um, about, I think it was a process of about seven or eight months, I was employed. Wow. Um, now, when you were employed, did you go? What What was your position when you first started? I started as a genius. Oh, so you so you maintained that position the entire time. I did, yeah. Got you. Um, so when you first started it, I mean, at what point in time did it start turning for you to like, you know, this is horseshit? Um, I think I mean the little things that happened throughout. I guess the first four or five years. But at about the fifth to sixth year, um, it really started to affect my health. And at that point, I was done. I was burnt out and I decided that I was just going to change the way I worked. Um, but about five or six years, um, it was a slow decline to that point. But it did at that point affect my health. Now, would you say, you know, in your experience when you first started versus about the time you hit that mark, did the culture and, I guess, mission of the company change? Did, did at any point, was it really pro-employee and then all of a sudden they put the brakes on and reversed that? Or was it like a slow decline? Uh, it, it's hard to say. I guess with my experience, in my opinion, it was, it, I mean, I definitely saw the decline. Um, but because I changed markets. Um, it was a day and night difference pretty much overnight. But I did see the decline. I did When I first started, I was really proud of things that were happening, um, you know, as, a, as an employee who were taken care of. Um, and I just felt that at about, you know, what, five or six years, it just, that was the, the opposite. I, I didn't feel like I was supported. I didn't feel like my colleagues were supported. Things were happening. You didn't have a voice. And it was more so a case of less about us, um, being helped and helping others and more about how much revenue we can generate. Right. Speaking of which, um, quick fact, 
As of 2020, Apple is the largest tech company by revenue. $274.5 billion fucking dollars. Um, current, as of 2020. Wow. Yeah, as of 2020, uh, 147,000 employees. Um 500 stores worldwide, 271 in the United States, um, and that's in 44 states. And it's, I don't find this odd at all, but the second highest uh, count of Apple stores is 50, and that is China. Shocker. You know, you got to put more stores there since, you know, you use all the cheap labor. But um, so how did like, the mat, like as far as the hierarchy goes, you know, you, you were a genius. Who who was over you? Was it like you know, like a store manager or what? So the hierarchy for us was we we had the geniuses. Then you had your lead genius. Um, then you had your um, family manager, who was just a, a manager who managed the, the techs. Um, and from there, you've got senior managers and store leaders. All right. So was the store leader over the geniuses as well? Yes. All right. So did you see a change, say, from when you started to where you started to really notice the decline, you know, what kind of managers they were, you know, store leaders they were, you know, cultivating? Did did they change from being, you know, very pro team to more pro dollar and revenue? Uh, Was it, you know, did you just notice that they were hiring a different type of person as it gradually got worse? Um, you did. You, t- you still saw managers who um, were really decent managers, um, even right up to the 10-year mark. So you still had those um, occasional few managers who took care of their staff. But the first managers that I had um, were amazing. Um, it was all about the team. It was all about, um, you know, team building, everyone making sure that everyone was okay. Um, and I guess beyond that, it, it kind of fell down towards um, – Again, managers that were more revenue-driven. So it didn't matter what was happening as long as you could keep working. Now, I know like here in the States, we have like, you know, blackout time where you work a lot of hours for the holidays. What kind of stuff were they putting on you guys like when they would have like product launches? Like were they making you work ridiculous hours? Uh, not the, I guess not the geniuses in general. Um, so we would have to work um, launch days. Uh, I would always try and take those those days off. So I would plan in, in advance and kind of assume that something's going to happen at a certain point. Um, and I only ever missed that mark once, and I was I was pissed off. You know, I, was, I missed it by a couple of days, and I had to come into work, and I was ready to just start throwing punches. Nice. Um, but, yeah, I mean, geniuses, not really. I, I don't know whether they did that to the specialists. Um, launch, you really had to try and keep everyone available because obviously it's it's um, it's a high impact high demand uh, but not so much for geniuses no all right so this is this is the fun part where you get to go off so tell us about the things oh, that did, tell us about the things that pissed you off and made you hate what you were doing fuck um so i'm <laughs> trying to keep it down I got this <laughs> <laughs> you might hear a little kid in the background Papa, that's a bad <laughs> um okay so where to start? Shit. Um, I guess, look, the, the first time I, I started seeing cracks in the walls, um, it started to drive me insane. I, I'd say within the first six to seven months, um, the majority of the guys in my team, we're a very small team. We were all 
pretty much poached. Um, three or four of us were from the same industry. Um, and we didn't know each other, but we knew of each other. So we, everyone kind of knows each other in the industry that I was working in. I guess the first thing that really started to, to piss me off was um, you had this, uh, how would I put it? Um, the environment in, in the stores, it was kind of incestuous. Like everyone was fucking everyone. You know, it was just like, oh, nice. Just brought, yeah. I mean, I was just like, dude, just fucking, oh, sorry. <laughs> this kid's just yelling at me. Um, can people just keep it professional? You know, I just please, because I'm having to deal with technicians who are having breakups three or four times a week with three or four different people. I'm like, just, just relax. Um, that started to grind my gears because one day I walked into the room and there were about three or four techs sitting in there. They're all good friends. I think a couple of them lived with each other. And because I was, I was the kind of person who, um, I didn't get involved with politics. I didn't care about that. I just wanted to do a good job. I took care of everyone around me. Um, and when it came to, like, there were little factions in, in the store, so little groups that hated other groups. And I was just, it was just me. You know, I didn't get involved in any of that sort of stuff. Walked into a room and I had three or four geniuses who called me into a discussion and they said that they were thinking of getting rid of one of the tests. Um I, it just, it kind of shocked me. And, and I asked why, you know, what's happened? And they said that they, that he works slow. You know, he's, he's a slow worker. Um, and it, it kind of really pissed me off because he's left an industry that he was in for about 20 odd years. He has a family, he's got kids. And here are these kids who are 18, 19, 20 years old plotting to get rid of him because he works slow. And I guess I was a bit taken back when I said, listen, he's got a family and yeah, he might work slow, but have you ever seen any of his repairs come back? Like you guys speed to repairs, but you do 10 repairs, nine come back. So I want no part of this and I don't think it's going to go any further in this conversation. I just left it at that. Um, I didn't command any sort of authority in the team, but because I was quite neutral with everyone. Um, there was that element of respect with me. Uh, but then there was also the fact that I, I'm not a small guy. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not a small guy. So when when I say that I don't agree with something, uh, people kind of listen. But that was the first crack in the wall for me. And it got worse from there. Well, I, I applaud you for that because, you know, the one statement that you made that, you know, makes the most sense is the guy's repairs weren't coming back you know yeah he might have been working slower to them but it sounds like to me he was much more damn thorough yeah i mean definitely and, and he was a really decent guy like i said i didn't have enemies in the store um i was friends with pretty much everyone i didn't hang out with anyone outside of work because you know in in the industry that i worked in you went to work you had your colleagues at work but everything was just kept professional. You had that divide. You, know, you had your personal life and you had your work life. Um, whereas, you know, at, at the retail stores, that didn't happen. Right. You had your personal life and your retail life and people were living with each other and people were hiring their friends. Um, and that, that, I guess it just led to one point where you'd have a room full of technicians that were all best friends. They all lived with each other. They all hired their friends and they were starting to squeeze people out. Um, 
so yeah, I mean that that was probably the first thing that kind of hinted that I'd made a mistake and I should have stayed in the industry I was in. Right. Um, one of the people in the chat, Iron Maiden, she says the famous inner circle of retail. Who's the unpopular kid? Let's get rid of them. Exactly. That is exactly it. Right. Um, and then Hero says, I guess I will never understand. Mark banged Becky last weekend. I'll think I'll go take her home Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that that's that's crazy stuff. But all right, so from there, tell us more. Um, so from there, um, I was doing all right. I mean, I was doing well in Australia. I, I got on well with everyone. I got on well with the managers. Um, I was given opportunities. And I was glad for them. Um, I was the guy who would come into work. I was dependable. I'd come in early. I'd leave late. I wouldn't take lunch breaks um, if I if I knew that someone else wasn't going to be able to take them. If someone was not feeling well, I'd trade places with them so they wouldn't be on the floor. They'd be in the room preparing. So I used to do without so others wouldn't. I think the managers kind of noticed that, um, and they saw an element of you know leadership in me. Um, at that point, my wife is ill, so. We didn't know what was happening. We didn't know what was going on. So we decided we're going to sell everything and move overseas. So I, I, I initiated the transfer overseas with the company. <laughs> and that's when it's, um, it kind of dawned on me that, like I was thinking about that this morning, about how, what experience I had in regards to transferring, how that kind of was an insight as to the, the you know, the clusterfuck that I was walking into. Um, I sat on an interview um, with a, a manager over there at about two in the morning. Now I had organised an interview with him. I think it took three three interviews before he actually showed up. Oh wow! Um, so he would, yeah. I mean, it was two three in the morning here, and I had to start work that day. And it was like um, he stood me up three times. And eventually, I, I emailed their store manager and said, "You know what, man? Just keep your job. I'll find somewhere else." And he got to the bottom of it, and he's like, yeah, cool, we got a job, and so I flew over. Um, I paid for everything myself. I didn't expect for the company to pay for anything. Uh, I flew over. It was myself and my wife. Uh, I landed, and the same week I landed, I started working. The, the markets were completely different. So Australia had only just started the retail, um, the Apple retail experience, so they didn't really have it before then. So customers weren't really... Um, I guess attuned to the culture. Um, they loved the stores. The stores were always packed. It was exciting. When when I moved to the UK, they'd been there for quite some time. So the culture of coming in and being abusive and rude and belligerent and sometimes violent was, was something that I'd never experienced um, in any of my professional careers. And all of a sudden, I'm standing there witnessing this sort of thing, and I just asked the guys, is this, like, is this normal here? And they said, yeah, that happens all the time. Um, so that was kind of a, a wake-up call. But I dealt with it, you know, like any other um, customer service professional. I dealt with it. I, I just, you know, made my way through it. Um, but little things, I mean, little things were up to the 10 years. When I got to about year five, um, that's when I was suffering from chest pains. Um, I'd come to work with chest pains. I didn't know. I mean, it's probably lingered for about two or three months. Um, and eventually I decided I was going to see a doctor and he recommended a, a specialist. But it got to that point because in my 
professional career outside of Apple, which I was still involved with, I was progressing. And I was showing the same element of work ethic, devotion, but within Apple retail, I was just having my, my legs taken out from under me at every step. Um, I could not move forward for, for the life of me. There was nothing I could do. And every time there was an opportunity, it, would, it was just someone just came in and just took the wind out of me. Um, and at year, year five in, into, my, I guess, my, my tenure there, um, I think I had two positions that were just taken away from me. Um, the first one I, I just put down to, you know, people make mistakes. You know, but that's the kind of person I am. People make mistakes. Let's just get over it. It's affected me, but I'll deal with it. Um, and the second time it was a case of a manager approaching me, and this is whilst I'm having chest pains, and this is whilst I'm stressed, um, coming to me at about 7 p.m. at night, telling me I had an interview for a job I applied for um, three months earlier the following day in a different country. Um, and I, I asked the questions like, how does this happen? I, I mean, it's this is sat in someone's inbox for a month. Right. And they tell me the day before. And at that point, I was already stressed. At that point, I was already suffering from chest pains. And, and there was nothing I could do. And it was just another opportunity lost. And these are things that you work towards. You know, these are things that you bust your ass for. And when they, when they eventually evolve and they're, and they're right there, you're just about to take them, to have someone just take it away from you like that. Um, I wasn't the guy that came in and didn't do, didn't do any work. I wasn't the guy that came in and um, sat around doing nothing. I was the guy that came in earlier. I was the guy that was devoted. I was the guy that, that you know, that shared my, my, uh, my knowledge. I was the guy that I was low maintenance when things went wrong. I dealt with them. I moved forward and, and then we, we fixed them later. I was that employee. Why is this happening to me? Um, but yeah, I mean, I was, I was, that just destroyed me at that point because it's, I think there's like two or three jobs in that I really wanted. And it just, I got to the point where I was like coming home at night, not knowing if I was going to wake up, uh, you know, the amount of pain that I was in and stupidly of me, you know, it's just, it's just my background. It's just where I come from. I came from nothing. You know, we, we grew up dead poor. So I worked my way up in, in my industries. So I just, I work. <laughs> you know, I work. I don't stop working. And stupidly coming to work with chest pains, which I don't recommend anyone ever do. Um, and I just, I, I went to the doctor and I said, yeah, I, this is what's happening. And, and it just came down to stress and anxiety. At that point, I decided, fuck this place. You know, honestly. <laughs> right. What the fuck? You know, I got to the point where I was like, what is happening? You know, I'm doing this to myself. Um, and anyway, so at that point, I just, I told my manager, because obviously I have to tell my manager what's going on. I told him I had stress and anxiety. I, I asked him not to treat me any differently. I'm still coming in. I'm still giving you 100%, but I'm not coming in early. I'm not staying late. I can't do that. Um, and I just, I just asked that no one, um, you know, coat me in cotton. Just don't treat me any differently. Um, but this is... Uh, yeah, it's stress and anxiety, and I can't have people coming to me with unnecessary stress. Um, and they continue, and the unnecessary stress continued, and, and, and I was just like, this is fucking bullshit. Wow. Um, That's awful. Yeah, but I mean, it, it, it was fucked. It was so, fucked. So, um, so you told them your issues, and they were like, okay, cool, and they just kept still beat you in the ground. 
It just kept going. Damn. It just kept going. Damn, it sucks. And I, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't wish that on anyone. No. Um, I had to. I had technicians coming to me. You know, they'd say, "I wish I was like you," and I'd be like, "You, you do not want to be like me." You know, I worked myself into a grave. You do not want to be like me. You want to be like this prick over here who does nothing all day. He's the smart guy. Right. You know, these guys I hated. I could not stand these guys. You know, you by the time I've finished five repairs, this prick's taken one screw out of a machine. <laughs> He's the smart one. That's you know, the dude that's going to get the promotion. Exactly. Exactly. And whilst you're applying for these things, um, you're sitting around guys who are who are applying for the same things, and and I, I was not getting any response to anything. Um, and for a long time, I thought I was the problem. Um, come to year nine, nine years of my tenure, I realised no, that wasn't my problem. That was someone doing that to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was crazy. I when when I before, I mean, I transferred out of that store soon after. But before I transferred out, I was probably there for another six or seven months. Um, I exploded on a technician. Like, I've never exploded on anyone. And I worked in advertising where you worked with a bunch of pricks. Um, I've, I've destroyed keyboards and mice, but I've never exploded on someone like I did to this guy. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, this guy was a fucking prick. Well, you know... I mean, he was... Sorry, no, no, it's like, you know, I'm sitting here looking at the chat. Um, Maiden says, it sounds like you asked just to be able to do your job. And they said, uh, no, fuck you. Exactly. exactly. I mean, and, and, yeah, but this guy. Go ahead. Uh, so, yeah. So, I mean, this guy was one of those guys who, I mean, people like myself, I know I'm just a technician. Um, I, I, I embrace my insignificance. It allows me to be a better person. Um, but this is one of those guys who thought he was a manager. Oh, he was always in the manager's office. Yeah, those you know those guys, and mm, part of the <laughs> we all part of the click. Exactly, yep. mm. and we all applied for a job at that point. There was a, a position going, and it is generally one of those jobs where the technicians, because the technicians geniuses have nowhere to go. They have lead genius which goes to manager, but there's little things in between. And this is one of those little things that are in between that just give you a break from the bullshit. Um, and we all generally would apply for this sort of position. Um, this guy came in and it was probably after we, four or five guys in the team applied for this position, comes into the room and he's, he says, just drops a bomb on us. And he says, management aren't going to give it to a technician this year. And he's got this smug fucking look on his face. And he just, he walks out of the room and you could hear a pin drop. Like, I'm looking around these guys. I've applied. There's about four or five other guys that have applied. And you can see the look of disappointment on people's faces. Like, what the fuck? And I was just, I was going to explode. And this prick came back into the room and, you know, a smug fucking look on his face. And I just went off at him. And I just said, listen, dickhead, I'm going to tell you one thing. What you have done to these technicians who have nowhere to go in this, in this job, it's not, a, it's not a career, it's a job. They have nowhere to go, who are busting their ass on a daily basis. What you have just done and taken away from them, what you need to do now is you need to get the fuck out of this room and don't come back. I don't care if you're supposed to be in here, do not come back. And he turned, I've never seen a ginger guy turn more white in my fucking life. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's some shameless stuff. That was... That was the moment yeah. that H became Triple H. Yeah, pretty much. Dude, these 
these, I mean, I, I do not take shit from people. I was running a business on the side. I was working for two other businesses freelance whilst I was working for Apple. I don't take shit from people. Um, I used to be a kickboxer and white tie fighter. So I've got my fair share of broken bones, but I've also broken bones. And I'm the nicest guy you will ever meet. I'm not, I'm a passive, I'm not, I mean, I don't like to fight people. I'd rather talk my way out of it. But when I lose my mind like that with someone, they're going to know that the next step, I swear to God, the next step is I'm going to drag you out of this room if you do not leave. Um, wow. But yeah, I just, I, it, it just, my wife noticed a change in my attitude. She's like, dude, you are about to snap. Like, there is something really fucking wrong with you. Um, and like, you know, something you mentioned um, on, I guess, whether it be Twitter or on a previous episode, is, is wives and your partners, they don't understand. Um, they don't understand the shit you deal with on a daily basis. They don't understand the, you know, the effects that retail has on you as a person. How does someone like me, who used to jump in the ring and punch and kick people, um, someone like me who's running businesses on the side that are successful and, and doesn't take shit from people, how am I in tears? How, how does that happen? How the fuck does that happen? Because it's, it's, an, un, it's an ungrateful fucking business is what it is. I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, we got Proto-Rage here in the... Um, chat saying i hear you it happened to me i was passed over twice worked hard and became the go-to guy to get stuff done and find solutions i'm now in my two weeks before leaving the place that's that's why companies lose good people is they get called up in this bullshit you know they've got their little group of people that you know the brown nosers and whatnot and good you know employees you know you're you're a lot like a lot of the managers that we have on here it's it's we knew it was unhealthy for us i mean we knew we were working too many hours and we knew we were bringing it home with us too much but it was kind of like our dna it's just how we were raised and it's what we did and you reach a point like you did where you start thinking well what the fuck has anybody done for me you know and so it's perfectly understandable when you reach that point and, and you know to your point on the partners yeah they may not know exactly what you go through but they're the ones who see the change you know they're the ones that notice okay something's fucked up something's going on because all of a sudden you go from being this person that they married and and whatnot and all of a sudden you just turn into like you know either you're very introverted you're angry all the time they can see the stress eating away at you and and you're right i mean people like you and there's lots of people like you that, that have put in the effort and the time and whatnot. I don't understand why those people are always the ones that get passed over unless there's a fear that you're going to take somebody above you's job. Well, it's also, Steve, the fear of is the fact of being called too good at your job. So it's the fear of letting that good production go in favor of actually having to make the lazy have to actually work. Because it's just way easier to keep Mr. Dependable doing his job, am I right? Well, that's true. But, you know, the one point there that you made, um, no one's ever going to tell you that you're too good at your job. No. You know, ever. And that's and that's the breaking point, you know, for a lot of people that have been in this business. You know, it's, um, you know, whether it's Apple, whether it's, you know, Walmart, Kmart, wherever, you know, it just seems to me. You know, I know of a situation that was discussed today. I'm not going into details, but where people are being offered positions that they have no right getting, 
and you wonder how the fuck did that happen? You know, and it's just, it's mind boggling to me. And, you know, Apple sells this image, you know, obviously before all the Apple two shit happened and, and whatnot, you know, this is a great place to work for and, you know, whatnot. And I've had some friends recently go to work for Apple and one of them only lasted like three months. And he told me, he's like, it's like a fucking cult in that place. <laughs> I mean, did you see that kind of shit? H. Yeah, I did. I did. I, I, I understand why you know, it comes across as a cult. It, it, it's hard when you're, when you're looking in from the outside. Um, it, it is kind of, I guess it has that cult mentality with some people. Um, some of us didn't have that. Some of us just went along with it because it's part of your job. But definitely, I can see I've had friends that, like you say, I, you had someone in there for three months. Um, I had a friend in there for, I think he didn't like, even last three months. And the same sort of thing. He walked out and he said, I can't do that. There's absolutely no way I can do that. Um, I, I did see something very similar. Did y'all have like little mini pep rallies and shit in the morning? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. I can only imagine. That see, that kind of shit would terrify <laughs> me. I'd be like, oh, I got to go. Peace out. This is yeah. Um, so you ever seen a you ever seen a Walmart morning meeting, Steve? Yep, they're all over YouTube, along with Target. Those are real. Those are real. Um, let's see. We got some questions here. Uh, in your experience, uh, the people that they hired did did they obviously they were looking for people that were loyal to the brand. I would assume, correct? Uh. I guess, yeah, I guess that's something definitely they look into. Um, yep. Uh, let's see what else. We had another one. Um, do they ask people if they're an Apple user? I would assume that'd be like a common question in an interview. The, the people that I know that have gone through interviews, um, they have asked what sort of products you have, which is, I mean, quite yeah. common. I, I asked the same questions when I was an employer, um, you know, but... Um, yeah, I mean, that's just quite a common question to ask. Um, let's see. What was it like dealing with customers that were fanatically fanatical about the brand you worked for? Were they difficult to please or easier because they loved the brand? Uh, there were two, two different spectrums of that sort of people. I mean, generally, the most people that came in that were like really fanboys. I mean, I used to be a fanboy um, from the 90s. So I've always wanted to work for this company. Um you know, you could you were on the same level with them. Um, you had the younger fanboys who were like iPhone and above, and you could play with them, and that were pretty cool. The older guys were really cool because we could discuss like the older operating systems and that sort of thing, and you'd get on their level, and they were cool. Um, the majority of them were really cool. The, the odd occasion you'd get the real dickhead. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, I think they're just naturally dickheads, regardless. So right, um, Maiden says when you work in retail, I feel like others think that depending on the brand you work for, it must be better somewhere else. Like, oh, you work for Apple. Wow. That's just great. Just like when everyone thought that working for Amazon was so great, not the case. It's all the same. Yeah. I, I, I didn't really, I stopped telling people I worked for Apple at one point. Um, my wife at one point thought I quit because I didn't speak about my job. Um, I kept everything to myself. I took my NDAs seriously. I took my business contacts seriously. My wife saw me leave with a T-shirt 
and she saw me with a T-shirt when I came back with an Apple logo. So, um, yeah, I mean, I would have people ask me where I worked and you'd tell them and they'd be like, oh, that's cool. Um, what they didn't realise, and one, one thing I never really discussed with anyone, and I'm sure anyone who's on and listening now who works for Apple now, is um, there's a difference between working for Apple and there's a difference working for Apple Retail. There is a huge difference. Right. Um, so when I used to tell people I worked for Apple, my friends knew. Um, if it was a stranger asking me who I worked for, I'd say I'd work for Apple, and they'd be blown away, and I'd be like, yeah, it's okay. You know, it's... I wouldn't tell them I work for Apple Retail. Um, but there is a huge difference between the two. Right. Now, how was communication from, like, you know, Cupertino? I mean, what, did you guys get, like, a lot of memos? And, I mean, what, was there – did the the corporation communicate things to the stores pretty well? Yeah, I'd say there was a lot of – well, there was communications when it was relevant to retail. Um, so communication was quite frequent, um, and it came in different forms. So whether it came as a video form or email, but only when it was really relevant to, to retail. Right. Oh, here's a really good question. Do you feel Apple kept a close eye on your social media while you worked for them? <laughs> well, fuck, I hope not. Oh. <laughs> uh-oh. Well, all right. So you said, uh, how long is the NDA for? Um, I believe it's two years, up to two years from when you left. Jesus. Um, I, but I mean, that's, that's quite standard. I mean, I, when I was working for Apple, I had two or three other NDAs from different companies. Um, and I didn't speak to anyone about Apple, um, any sort of internal stuff. I, I didn't speak to people about at all. Even when I left Apple and started working in, a, in the, the same industry for someone else. Um, I had directors coming to me wanting to know about, you know, internal stuff and they were happy when I told them I wouldn't tell them anything. Right. Um, so, which was part of my employment agreement. I wouldn't speak about Apple. Um, but they were relentless. They wouldn't fuck off. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah. What kind of penalties? I mean, obviously termination would be one, but was there any like scary legal mumbo jumbo if you talk some shit and broke your NDA? Mm, I'm sure there is. Not that I've heard of. Um, I know of people who have been let go because they breached the NDA. I, I knew one guy who I couldn't stand, um, I, but he was leaking things to um, online forums. Um, you know, there's there's Mac themed forums out there, and he was one of the guys that we found out was leaking things to it. Um, he could have lost his job when we found out. Um, but I stepped in and said, you need to, you need to stop doing what you're doing. And we're not friends, but I respect your skills. You just need to stop what you're doing because if someone else were to find out what you're doing, you're fucking out of here. Oh, wow. That's, that's, you, you're a good person to work for. Cause there are a lot of people who are like, get the fuck out, you know, call it. Oh, I, yeah. I could not stand this prick, but you know, you've got to give people credit where it's due. He was good at his job and you've got to respect everyone regardless. So. Um, here, here, here's a funny one. Did you guys have a code for Starbucks cleanups in the store? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> um, no. so somebody asked, uh, do you have any entitled customer stories? Oh, fuck. Yeah. Um, Let's go. <laughs> shit. Okay. Um, I guess one thing that happened, 
I guess more times for me to be comfortable with. Um, you would have people come in and you would have a machine that needs to be repaired. You go through the motions, you do the paperwork, and then they step in and they say, no, you're not leaving with this machine. I need to be with this machine at all times. So you're like, all right, cool. So um, here is the problem. If you need to have it repaired, you can't be with your computer. It's not going to happen. Um, so these are the kind of people who would step in and say, well, you know, I, you know, I'm really, my information that's on there is confidential and I can't have anyone looking at it. So I'm going to have to stand in your repair room, look over your shoulder while you repair my computer. Oh, shit. Um, yeah, I mean, and that, the first time that happened, I was just like, you're a fucking serial killer. There's something really wrong with you. Like, you're not oh, standing over no. my fucking shoulder. Like, mate, you are, I don't know where you're going. You're not standing over my shoulder. Sorry, I'm being told I'm set about you. Oh, it's okay. Okay, mate. Sorry. Sorry. Um, yeah, so at that point, at that point, I just turned around and said to him, look, you know what, honestly, if if you're really worried about confidentiality in your, your data, why would I let you into a room where we have confidential business information and other people's data? Like, it makes no sense. Right. So they're the kind of people you just say, look, I can take it in and repair it. And this is what you're going to have to deal with. Or you can take your machine and go away. Um, I was really blunt with those sorts of people. Like, I'm not taking anyone's shit. I'm done. Like, I'm burnt out and broken as a human being. And I'm giving the best customer service I can. But people like that, honestly, you come in with that sort of nonsense and you have two options. You can either have it repaired or leave. It, it is what it is. Right. Oh, here's a technician question that, that should uh, you, you should be able to answer easily. Did you ever have problems where anyone was doing shoddy work and tried to pawn the blame off on someone else? Oh, yeah, every day. Every day. Um, you just had people who cut corners, um, didn't care. Um, they didn't have pride in their work. Um, you had guys like myself who would do everything to make sure that machine went back to the customer in better condition than it came in. But you had guys who would cut corners, make mistakes, and then pass the buck. And that that did not – I mean, that fl- does not fly with me. If you pull that sort of shit with me, it's done. Like, we're, we're not – we're not going to be fine. Now, did, did um, you guys yeah, have, like, yeah. the little stickers or whatnot, you know, like, somehow to identify who did the repair? Everything everything was um, tracked digitally. So when you create repairs and add notes, like, you can see who's done what. That's assuming that person has, has been doing their job properly. Um, but there was instances where people wouldn't be logging things or things wouldn't be captured digitally, and you knew who worked on it. And then all of a sudden you take over the repair and something goes wrong and that person will start to blame you for the fault. Um, but Or you could be the last person that looked at it and all you did was press a button, turn it on, it's fine. The previous person did all the testing, did all the repairs. It goes out, comes back five minutes later and, you know, the blame's pushed on you. Um, that person will, will blame you or, you know, they'd be sheepishly quiet. Um, but yeah, that, that sort of stuff happened all the time. They're the kind of people who would be promoted, unfortunately. <laughs> the smart ones, as you said. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, so Maiden says uh, she has crazy stories about when her husband repaired phones and the things they would find on people's phones, though, especially on their trade-ins. Any creepy shit you ever came across? No. Um, no. I mean, when when we were doing testing for repairs, end of repairs, 
you'd fire up the cameras, you'd fire up, you know, that sort of thing, turn them on, turn them off, make sure they work. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure everyone was really strict with confidentiality. Customers' data, we did not touch. Um, we didn't care about it. I don't care what's on there. I don't care who it came from. Um, I had to let one guy go when I was working for myself um, outside of Apple who um, did something similar. They, they'd opened something up and were scrolling through things, and I just said, that's, that's done. You're out of here. Like, that doesn't happen. Right. Well, I would imagine uh, on most of your repairs, yeah. you wouldn't really have to go into the data for most stuff, would you? No, you do you absolutely do not go there. You never go there. Yeah, no. If you, I mean, it's a great way to lose your job. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I wouldn't want to know, me personally. Yeah. I mean, if anyone ever has any concerns that, you know, someone in, in, in a genius room is, is going through people's data, I can assure you that they don't. And if it does happen, it, these people get found out almost straight away, almost immediately. Um, I, I'm a big fan of, of keeping personal data personal. You know, I don't want to go through anyone's data. Um, and even if the customer allows me to, I won't. There's absolutely no way we're going through that. Um, so any sort of concerns anyone has, it, it just doesn't happen. Uh, it, if it does, as I said, if it does, it's a rare occasion. Um, those people are caught and found out, and it's they're, they're, they're gone. It just doesn't happen. Gotcha. Um, Irish Connection says, are Apple upper management and retail just as incompetent as other retailers in your experience, or are they better able because they're more familiar with the quote-unquote cult? Oof. Uh, well, this is the only retail. Oh, well, I've worked two retail jobs. So, um, and the other one, I was the manager. So I'm hoping I wasn't incompetent. <laughs> 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 um, it's hard to say. Uh, I, I, I couldn't really base my opinion on, on having worked in any other retail store. Some managers were amazing. Other managers, not so much. Um, you know, people's bonuses are on the line. So they're going to, they're going to make you work hard. Um, that's, that's the truth. So, yeah. Um, so, like if you were like if a tech if a genius was reprimanded by a store director or store leader, do the store leaders have enough knowledge about what the geniuses are doing to, I guess, have the ammunition to go after you guys? Uh, the store leader didn't really get involved. I guess if you're having a discussion with the store leader, that's the final discussion um, in the company. So the store leaders. I rarely saw them. Um, generally, if you're having that sort of discussion, you're having a, a, a discussion with your immediate manager, so your family room manager um, or a senior manager. But no, the store leaders never got involved with that sort of thing. If they get involved with that, then that's your final discussion in that in that business. Uh, what was the security like? You know, in the building. I mean, were like there are certain protocols you had to go through. Like, obviously, you have a, a room where you're doing the repairs. I mean, were there cameras and stuff like that? Like, leave your keys, phones, and stuff. Um, I mean, like any sort of tech room, any sort of business, you've got cameras everywhere, um, which is to be expected. It's it's for everyone's safety. Um, phones, I mean, we carried our phones with us. Um, our keys were usually in your bag. Um, you didn't use USB drives. You're not supposed to use USB drives for anything. You just don't. Um, so in regards to security, yeah, I mean, there's cameras everywhere. It's for everyone's safety. You're monitored throughout the, the business. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you just didn't do things like plug in your own USB drive. You didn't, you know, pull out your phone unnecessarily. We all had our phones on our desk. Right. Now, if, if, 
So it's not a big deal. So in the position you were in, how much time did you actually spend on the sales floor? Fuck. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Fuck. I got this kid looking at me. Um, so in the beginning, um, I think the first six months I was there, I didn't do any repentance um, because you had the dream team of, of young guys who thought they did everything better. Um, and the person who was in charge of the scheduling was a friend of theirs and we just didn't get repair time. So first six months, it was just relentless dealing with customers. Um, after that, I got a fair bit of repair time uh, because I was experienced and they realized that I could do my job. So I was getting repair time and I wasn't really on the sales floor that often. Um, and then I kind of changed. I didn't want to just be repairing. So I wanted to be on the, on the genius bus. I wanted to be with the customers just to get that skill set. Um, and then by the time I was done and burnt out and broken and I didn't want to even have to look at people, the company had changed to a point where you're always running behind time. You're, all, you're never on time. The, the queues are always behind. There's always someone who needs someone. So even if you're scheduled to repair, you're just constantly getting pulled out. So um, I'd say by the time I left, the majority of my time was spent on the floor unwillingly. So I just didn't want to be there. Right. Um, Hero asked, she said, you spoke about coming in early, staying late, skipping breaks. Was that normal or was it a situation where they just let you do it? It wasn't normal. Um, people did it and you did it for the good of the team. So I did it for my teammates. I did it for my colleagues. I did it for my peers. I wasn't doing it for me and I wasn't really doing it for the business. I did it to support the team and there were people who were doing that. Um, Yes, the majority of people didn't, um, unless you had to. But it was, um, it wasn't normal at all. No, it wasn't normal at all. And in the end, when I was, like I said, when I was done with the, the entire thing, um, if I heard that someone was staying back late, I was the guy that was pushing them out of the room. Like, you're not staying in here, leaving. You're not getting paid for this. Get out of here. Um, and if they stay, they stay. It's up to them. But it wasn't normal. No. But I would assume that after you have employees that do that so long, the team starts to kind of bank on that, I guess you would say, and get used to it. And then at the moment you're no longer able, it becomes an issue. That is exactly it. Right. Yeah, that is exactly it. So Because when I was coming in early and leaving late and not taking my breaks, um, and I know I'm doing it, you know, um, when I was that guy who – could come in and they could rely on me for everything. When I got started to get ill because of the work um, and I said, no, I'm clocking in and clocking out, it became a huge problem for me. Wow, that's crazy. Now, all this staying over and whatnot, how much of that was unpaid? All of it. So All of it? So... So let's say you came in earlier. You're saying that you, you came in and let's say you were scheduled at 9 a.m., but you came in at 8 and you didn't clock in until 9? I didn't clock in until 9, yeah. But management was aware of this, right? Most often not, yeah. They would see me in. Um, if I was in early for whatever reason, it was a personal thing, that's cool. You know, if I'm in at 8 and I'm not working, that's fine. And, you know, I could be sitting down doing something else. That's that's cool. I don't mind people doing that. I didn't mind doing it myself. I didn't mind my employees doing that. But if I'm coming in at 9 and clocking in at 9, but I'm staying back till, you know, two hours after my shift and not taking my lunch break, that's a problem. 
and I'm not getting paid for that. Right. And, and see, the, the sad part is, you know, you know, they've got people that monitor the payroll in those buildings. So they, they're, they're fully aware of what's fucking going on and they're just letting you do it. And let's just say HR got involved and, and somebody ratted you out and they tried to bust you for that. You know, the people that knew and were taking advantage of the fact that you were doing that would throw your ass under the bus. 100%. See, and, yeah, 100%. And that's bullshit. I mean, you know, it's it's awesome when you have employees that, that are willing to give that much. But it's like Iris said many, many, many moons ago, you know, being married to an unfaithful job, I mean, they'll replace you the next day. And But good for you that you finally reached a point where, I mean, I'm, you know, I hate it for you that it took, you know, some health scares to get you there. But to realize it just ain't fucking worth it, man. You know? It's... It's not. I mean, like I said, I was in tears twice, and that doesn't happen. I said, it's a fucking job. It's not a career. It it wasn't a career. It wasn't a life. It was a job. Why why am I panicking, and why am I in tears over a job? Um, But the day that I stopped doing that, it became a huge problem for me. They noticed. And I can tell you honestly, from from year five to year 10, I guess now year five to year eight or nine, I applied for almost 30 jobs just to get out. And I was, not, I was not endorsed for a single one of them. I didn't get any email correspondence that I was doing this. And, and at that point, at year eight, one of my new managers sat down with me and he asked me, he said, you know, we come in every day, you're reliable, you're dependable. You're the guy that everyone talks about. How long have you been doing this? And I said, I've been here for eight years. And he said, well, don't you have any aspirations? Don't you want to be somewhere else? Don't you want to go into corporate? Isn't there something you want to do? And I sat him down, and I've had this discussion over and over again. And I can't tell you how many times I've spoken to managers about this. I know I come in, and I've got a smile on my face, and I I know I come in, and I do my job, and I give 100%, and I make sure everything is perfect and everyone's taken care of. But I hate my job. I'm bored. I don't want to be here anymore. I've tried to get out and there is nowhere for me to go. And when he found out that I wasn't being endorsed, he looked into it. And then all of a sudden I was being endorsed 30 fucking jobs later. So I am, I am getting the feeling from this. As you tell me about, you know, the lack of endorsement, it seems like to me that the people in charge knew they had a good thing going, having somebody there working extra hours and working their ass off. And they didn't want to endorse you because they didn't want to lose you to go somewhere else. Something yes, was wrong. That, that, Something was going that's on. exactly what that sounds like to me. We're not going to promote him. He's too valuable, you know, for what we do here. And, you know, we'll just ignore it. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe he'll just keep his head down and keep working like he is, but we ain't sending him anywhere because that means other people have to pick up the slack. That's exactly it. And my manager was in shock. He could not believe that when I told him I was bored of my job, I don't like my job, I don't want to be here anymore, I've tried to get out. Because of the way I came across, why I stopped clocked in and clocked out, I was a completely different person to what he was hearing. He, he would, you would never have known that I, I hated my job. You would never have known that I was bored with my job. I could do my job with my eyes closed. I left my glasses home once. And I did repairs, not being able to see, because I knew where all the screws went. I knew where all the parts were. 
that's how bored I was of this job. And I was at that point where I, like I said, I'm, I'm career driven. I'm progressing outside of Apple, but I've told them I want a career here. I've given up opportunities. I've given up jobs. I've passed over job offers to be here for that one opportunity for me to show you what I'm good at. And I never got that. Yeah, they And they took advantage of that. Yeah, they bent you over. I mean, and, and it really didn't click with me until you talked about talking to that last manager. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's they're asking you these questions. And then all of a sudden, you're getting endorsed. And that manager was shocked. It was like, shit, they were just using you. And that's fucking terrible. It is. I mean, it's affected my health. It affected my, my mental state. At that point... I'd, I'd been spat on. I'd had phones thrown at me. I'd been punched at work. I got stalked by a customer. Um, and that didn't do well for him. But it was just, I'm putting up with this. This is not normal. This is not healthy. And if, if this is happening to me, it's got to be happening to other people. Yep. And when, um, for example, when I got punched um, and I, I mentioned it, like it's, it's happened and I've, I've reported it. I got told it'll be taken care of. How that was taken care of, I don't know. Um, I mean, you got punched by a customer. Fuck. I got I got punched by a customer during a phone launch. Um, it was just a, a situation where people were handing out water. Um, it happened twice in that day for myself and someone else that I know of. Um, and someone in the queue. You've got these resellers that just come in. They're not there to buy things they're there to buy and sell and they just they just come in they cause trouble um and there was a bit of commotion i just walked past um i'm just walking into work at this point and there's a bit of commotion in the in in the queue and being the responsible person that i am but i fucking wish i wasn't i kind of investigate find out what's going on there's people pushing in and pushing other people around and i've just stepped in and said hey and at that point someone's just thrown a punch um and yeah so it's just the worst one was the, the stalker, you know, to have someone come in and tell me that because people used to come in all the time and tell me that they're going to wait for you outside, you know, and you're like, yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> they don't get what they want or, you know, they've got a liquid damage phone or something. They've got to pay for something and I'll threaten you right there. And then the amount of threats that I got was ridiculous. And, and this guy's just come in and he said, um, you know, if you don't replace my phone, I'll wait for you outside. I thought, you'll fuck you. Fine. <laughs> that, that's not, that's not going to bother me. I'll go toe to toe with you. That's fine. Um, and I just said, yeah, no worries. And at that point, I already knew that that was a thing, you know, in that city. People would come in and threaten you. But how are they going to know what door you're going to walk out? There's 20 different ex exits to that building. It's like, fine, fucking wait for me. You know, it'll be the lottery if I get to meet you there. Um, and this this guy was waiting at the bus stop, which I used to catch the bus home. At a, it was almost midnight. And he's getting on the bus with me. And he's on the phone the whole way through. And, you know, I've already been stabbed twice growing up where I grew up, I don't need to be stabbed again. I don't know what the fuck. Sorry, mate. I'm looking at my son. He's just giving me a dirty <laughs> look. Um, you know, I, I grew up in a rough area. I've already been stabbed twice. I don't need to be stabbed again. I don't know what's up with this guy, but he's on the phone. He's eyeing me the whole way, and I waited for a bus to stop where I knew there was going to be taxis, and I got off that bus, and I got straight onto a taxi, and he ran out of the bus, and he's pounding on the taxi window. So I don't know what was going to go down there. Um, but this, this next time I saw him, I made him know, you know, that I'm not the guy to fuck with. You know, I will absolutely take your legs out from under you. I'll, I'll beat you within an inch of your life if I have to, to protect myself and then some. 
But, you know, it's just that sort of shit to happen. Um, it's a fucking job. It's a phone. Relax. Exactly. Actually, all that effort you spent, you could have actually done something, I don't know, productive instead of fucking stalking an employee. Yeah. Uh, Iron Maiden put on here. She said, uh, where'd it go? Um, if I didn't pay all this money for my iPhone, I'd yeet it off my desk right now. Yeah. It's <laughs> unfortunate because I, I love Apple products. I, I love, I mean, I think they do amazing stuff. Um, but the amount of, the amount of effort that they gave to everything, which is something I've always loved about them. Even now I still own Apple, Apple hardware and I love their software. I love everything about them in regards to their products. But it's one of those cases where don't meet your heroes. Don't meet your heroes. I idolized them from the 90s. I, I used Macs from the 80s. I was repairing them in the 90s. And I just, in 15-year career in what I was doing and every single day of that career, it didn't matter how high up. I started as a flexographic artist. I got paid jack shit and ended up being an art director. And every single day, right up to that point, all I wanted to do was work for Apple. Oh, it's all I ever wanted to do. And my, all my friends knew I was that Apple guy. I was that Apple nerd. I was the guy who would stand, you know, at the news agents and, and be flipping through a, an Apple magazine, a Mac format in the 90s and have an argument with some guy who's got the PC format. You know, I was that fanboy. And the whole way, stupidly, wanting to work for this company, the whole way. And, and they poached me because I wanted to work for them. Right. Um, but it's, it's, yeah, it just drove me. So insane. you started with Mac hardware on what, a G4? I started on LC2. Wow. <laughs> that oh, was wow. the first machine I repaired. So that shows my age. Wow. Um, that's that's great. I, hey, look, I've always applauded their, their hardware. I mean, I, I think the products themselves are great. You're right. I mean, and that's the sad part about the bad side, you know, the rotten core of the fruit, so to speak, is, you know, they do make a great product and they make a very secure product. And, you know, you know, being a Mac user, you know, yes, OS X uses way less resources than windows. I mean, it's, 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 there's a reason why it's used for music production. There's a reason why it's used for, you know, graphic design and things like that. And it's just a shame to me that, you know, for, and from the consumer standpoint, you know, the average consumer, they, they feel the same thing and they can give a shit less of what's going on behind closed doors. But then, you know, one statement that you made, you know, the, the dude punched you or whatnot and they said they'd take care of it or they took care of it. And you go through and read the Apple II diaries or whatnot. And that seems to be the running theme. The, 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 the basic line from everybody above is, oh, it was taken care of and not a fucking thing got done. Exactly, and I'm I'm reporting this, and like I say, I I wish that this wasn't happening. I wish that this is an isolated case. I've just had a bad experience. I'm hoping other people don't have this experience, but it's happening. And whilst I'm on the clock, I'm professional. If someone punches me whilst I'm wearing, I've, I've got my uniform under my jacket. I'm on my way to work. I'm on camera. You know, I'm not going to start throwing punches and start, you know, dropping people left, right, and center and be that guy. I'm at work at that point. So I've, I've got a responsibility. I'm an ambassador for the business. Someone spat on me at work and I reported yes. it. I said, that guy spat on me. And I mean, what are you going to do? I'm, I'm an ambassador for the business. I can't spit on him. I can't drag him out by his hair and kick the shit out of him as much as I'd love to. But the second I'm off the clock, I'm a completely different person. 
when I'm off the clock, I, I, I've never been like this. I mean, I transferred into a store and in the first week, one of the guys who worked on the floor came up to me and he said, um, do you remember me? And I said, no, I, no, sorry, I don't know who you are. And he said, you don't remember me at all. And I said, no. He said, you told me to get fucked on a bus. And I was like, yeah, that sounds like me. Because when I was <laughs> off the clock, I was so wound tight. Um, I was, I mean, I, it just took so much. I was drinking to relax. I just, I couldn't sleep. Everything, this job was killing me. Um, and my wife saw this, and unfortunately it's affecting her. In a, in a negative way. But when I was off the clock, the second I clocked out and I walked a couple of kilometres out from work, you just didn't fuck with me at all. Like, I had no patience for anything. I had no patience for people's bullshit. I didn't talk to people. I didn't socialise. I went from being someone who was an extrovert, you know, in year one to year 10 of my tenure. I don't want to know people. I don't want to talk to people. I don't need friends. It just killed me. And that, my friend, is retail. That's, that winds up being the end story for most everyone. It it turns you (laughs) into such a person that you, you weren't that person when you went in, but you came out something different when you got out. And a lot of the same traits are there. You know, little patience for anything. Uh, Snap real fast. Don't want to talk to anybody. You know, want to be left alone, uh, kind of grumpy if somebody just, you know, talks to you, you know, a little bit. And that's what the business does. And that's a shame because, you know, people like you were taken advantage of. I mean, you, you said, you know, you were an ambassador for the business. And having that mindset and working the hours that you did and what you did for the locations you were in, once again, proves that good work and dedication for whatever reason, like you said, it must make us all the stupid ones because it's never fully acknowledged and you never get anything out of it, but stress and anxiety. Like you said, the fuck offs get promoted. So something is wrong somewhere folks. Yeah. And I I really, as I said, I really hope that this, this is just my experience. And I'm I'm talking from the heart, telling you guys what's happened to me. And I, I, just I, I really hope this is just a one-off experience. I know other people put up with things similar. Um, there's the, obviously there's things that have happened that I'm not going to talk about. You know that are a lot worse than this. Um, nothing illegal, but it was just things that just it really it, it killed me. It actually absolutely just brutally killed me as a human being. Um, but like I said, I, I really wish that this is just an isolated case. I, I still, I mean, even to the last day, I didn't want to leave. Even though getting up in the morning, my first thought was, I can't do this anymore. And coming home from work the whole way through, just listening to my headphones, just thinking, I can't do this anymore. Waking up at three in the morning, I can't do this anymore. But I, I just, I had that love for the company and I had that, you know, that hope. But when there's no light at the end of the tunnel, it's because you're in a hole. There is no tunnel. There is no, there is no out. You're just stuck. So I just, you know, even to this day, like, I, I still have that love for the company. Um, I always have. And, you know, I, I know being the fanboy that I was, I kind of expected a little bit more. Um, but like I say, I embrace my insignificance. That's why I did well outside of work, because I don't think that I'm better than anyone else. And I'm always happy to help a lending hand. But, like, I just wish that no one else 
is going through this. I really hope no one else is going through this. And, and I hope that it was isolated. And I hope it was just the misfortune of being where I was at the stores or the people I had to deal with. Um, it could have been different. I don't know. But, I mean, this is just the experience that I've had. So how well, do you feel now? I, yeah, I was actually uh, about to ask that. <laughs> shit. Um, about the company? No, about, like, your mental health and, and what you're doing and where oh. you are in your life. Um, I mean, I, I still struggle. Like just thinking about how I was going to come on air with this. I didn't sleep for a night. Um, I got a bit anxious just thinking about what I was going to talk about. I started reliving things in my head. You do that. And I just, there was a couple of sleepless nights. Um, I've managed to get over it slightly. Um, and I, I left a while ago and it still impacted me mentally. Um, but I guess the, the one way I was able to co- overcome a lot of it, um, when I had my own business in IT and I had, you know, six staff under me, they didn't have to put up with this. We took everything. I took everything that I learned good about Apple retail because they do do things well. They hire amazing people. I took everything that they do well and I implemented it into my own business and everything that I hated I made sure it never happened. I never, I mean, I had almost 100% retention apart from one guy, unfortunately, I had to let go. And that's the guy who kind of decided he was going to go looking through people's photos. But they never came to work in fear that someone was going to be abusive, belligerent, rude. They knew how to deal with that sort of thing. You know, I taught them how to deal with that. But they never had a fear of someone coming in and being violent because I was the guy that that person would need to speak to. And you didn't want to speak to me if you got to that point because you got kicked out. There was no ifs or buts. You're not getting anything from us. And I don't care who you are as a client. I don't care how much money you spent with us. That is the last time you come into this building. And that for me was kind of like therapy. I hate the people are like that. And I hate that some of my staff had to deal with that. All my staff had to do sales. It didn't matter if you're a senior technician, an engineer, sales manager, you all did sales because I just wanted them to understand this is what the world's like. You guys have never worked customer service. You're going to get really difficult customers. I want you to learn. It's a life experience. But understand one thing. Once they cross that line, they're talking to me. And I'm the last person in this company this person's going to speak to ever again. Um, that was like therapy for me to make sure that I was taking care of my staff the way I was never taken care of. They weren't working excessive hours, even if they wanted to. Um, I was. I was working 16 hours, so they wouldn't have to. So that was like therapy for me. It was, it was kind of a sense of I'm doing, I'm righting the wrongs. <laughs> and that, that, I don't know if that makes sense. That makes sense, perfect sense. But mentally, no, it makes perfect sense, honestly. Yeah, so it did help a lot. Well, you know, I, you know, I appreciate you you know, discussing this. Obviously, it, was, it wasn't an easy thing to do, and, you know, I – I'm terribly sorry that you were treated that way. I mean, I know what it's like to work for an organization that, you know, you're fond of. I mean, and, you know, it's the job that you tell everybody, you know, oh, they're going to have to drag me kicking and screaming out of this joint. And, you know, it takes, you know, it takes a lot to be able to, you know, try to relive, you know, kind of what you went through. And I'm a very appreciative, you know, that you came on and talked to us about it, but, you know, sky's the limit. I mean, super smart and talented dude, 
you know, like you said, you've got your own business and, and, you know, it's therapeutic for you. And the one thing that you said that I wish more people would take away from this is, you know, you kind of wiped the bad off of what happened where you were at, but you took all the good that you learned there and adapted it to your business. And you also are concerned about your employees. You don't strike me as the kind that running your own business, you're going to, you know, take advantage of somebody. You're going to call them out for the good work that they do. Give them, you know, the good, the good job kind of thing. And that, and that's awesome, you know. And yeah, and that's also just a pretty cool story that you was able to take all the knowledge and, and apply it to your own business. Like, I'm glad to hear that was successful for you. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, I, I give my team credit for everything. The the guys, everything comes out of my pocket. Yeah, everything comes out of my pocket to make sure they get the bonuses, to make sure they, they get taken care of um, during the wow. pandemic. Um, you know, the face masks, the, the gloves, everything. Even even things like our delivery driver, who doesn't even work for me, to come in, his business wasn't supporting him with face masks. And then, you know, it's like, here's a bag. Just everything that I can do to take care of them. Because I know how hard it is to find good employees. It's not easy to find good employees. It is difficult. But in retail, um, you can find a great employee as long as you treat them well. And you can keep that employee. The, the thing is, you've got to try and keep the employee. I, I, I would hate to let go of anyone. I would hate for anyone to walk away from, from me because I haven't taken care of them. If you're running a business, you rely on your staff. And that's the problem with retail we're the ambassadors for the business. We're the handshake. We're the guy that people see who represents the business at that point. Why are we being treated so poorly? You know, why are we the ones who have to deal with this sort of thing on a daily basis? It makes no sense. Well, I understand that we're the lowest common denominator. I understand that we're not the movers and shakers. I understand that we're not the guys making million-dollar salaries with, you know, $37 million in shares. I get that. I'm a fucking nobody. I get that. But I'm also the ambassador for your business. Correct. And if it wasn't for the ambassadors of that business, those people wouldn't have the riches that they have. Exactly. And that's the key. All right, my friend. So we're sitting at an hour and 15 minutes. I thank you so much for being on. Um, You know, I think it enlightened a lot of people here to, you know, kind of what, you know, your story was. Um, You didn't freak out as much as you said you were going to. So you didn't cuss near as much. So maybe maybe having your your four-year-old there helped you out a little bit. (laughs) Seeing how you can get... It definitely did. Seeing how he... And I'm I'm glad that we... I'm glad we did this early in the morning because it's going to take me the whole day to wind down. Well, hey, man, look. You you know what we do. Um, you know, we're here for the people. You know, we're having the mental health episode coming up soon. Um, come join us for that. That's, uh, that's going to be a good one. You know, I, I really, you know, I'm extremely passionate about, you know, people and their experiences in this business. And, you know, it's some stories aren't so great. And uh, some stories have a happy ending. So, you know, you just keep doing what you're doing. And you'll be just fine. Um, you know, take Apple out. Become the next big thing. You know, ain't nothing wrong with that. I'm happy to just, I'm happy to just retire and nobody on a beach somewhere. That's, that's what I'm happy to awesome. do. Awesome. My wife would like that, but I'm way too ginger to retire on a beach. I'd incinerate in like 30 minutes. So <laughs> not good for me. But anyway, uh, everybody, thank y'all for being here. Um, next week is the pharmacist episode. 
Um, that's going to be a good one as well. Uh, you out there watching, if you've got pharmacist friends and whatnot, bring them on board. Uh, you know, we've got Grant Harting that's going to be here who wrote a book on how to get out of retail pharmacy. So going to be very exciting. Uh, we've got, you know, basically all of October is scheduled and then we've got most of November scheduled now. We got a lot of stuff coming up. I know in um, November, we've got Target Workers Unite. We've got a gentleman talking about unions. Um, all sorts of cool stuff going on. So thank you, everyone, for being part of it. Like I said, thank you, H, for being here. Anytime you want to come back on, let me know. Anytime you just want to chat, hit us up. So, um, No, thank you. Oh, no problem. So, everybody, uh, we will see you next Wednesday. Um, if, if you know people that work in a pharmacy, I'm telling you, pharmacists have got it bad right now. Yeah, I mean, on top of it being a hard job to begin with, now they're having to give tons of vaccines and whatnot. Those people are burnt the fuck out. So bring them on so they can get well, some relief. Steve, I got just one thing I want to ask H just real sure. quick. Can I come over to Australia and work for your business? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how much long I'm going to be open. I'm, I'm genuinely about to pack up and I'm pretty much done. So, um. Ah, unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, we're going, we're going to put, it'll be like the cartoons, like where they put, you know, the Tasmanian devil in that box, you know, with mm -hmm. the stickers of all the different places and we're going to send them parcel to, Ship to addicts in a box. You know, down under. So, <laughs> that, was, that was a fun way to go out. Alright, everybody, y'all have a great night and we will see you next time.